Distractions podcast slash CMP podcast crossover episode extravaganza. Uh, we're your hosts, Alex and Christy. I'm Christina. Are here to tell you some Mississippi stories because somehow we got a theme without really even planning for it. <laughs> Unlike previous episodes where we've done crossovers, we're going to skip over the distractions. We just want to get right into the meat and potatoes of, of all these amazing stories. So I think I'm going first yes. with yes. a very depressing, sad one because why not start off on a high note? <laughs> Of course, great. naturally. It's going to start this Monday off great. <laughs> exactly. Happy Monday. All right. So I am going to be focusing on another Black-focused true crime case. This is a story that I decided to pick after we did the Roxbury murder case. And instead of focusing on one from Boston, decided to go down to Mississippi because why not? I don't think we've covered a true crime case from Mississippi. So this week we're going to be chatting about the murder of Vernon Damer Sr. And at first I thought it was Dahmer. That's how it's spelled is D-A-H-M-E-R. So I'm glad I jolly phonics it because it's, it, it's not, it's not no. Dahmer. It's, no, it's not like Dahmer serial killer. Yeah, it's not like Jeffrey, because I had this whole, like, thing but oh, I don't think he's related to Jeffrey, ha, 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 and then I looked at the pronunciation, and, oh, boy, I'm glad, <laughs> I'm so glad I did, because that would have been... We are wrong. <laughs> super fucking awkward. So, Vernon Sr. was born to parents George Washington Damer, what a name, and Ellen Luvinia on March 10th, 1908, making him a Pisces, just like Christy. Oh my god, look at you. You, you guys are like BFFs now. Exactly. And this Maybe is a gush. <laughs> <laughs> Something's fishy here. And this is one person that I think for once, Christy, you want to be an astrological twin to. Because he's not, you know, a piece of shit like the other Pisces we've talked about on the show. Okay, perfect. We can be twins. <laughs> Great, we love to hear that. So the new family lived in Forest County, Mississippi, which is approximately two hours from Jackson, which is the state's capital for those who don't know, like myself, because I'm uneducated. According to the Courier-Journal article, three of Vernon's grandparents were white and one was black. But in Mississippi at that time, he was considered black. That just I think that's just the way it was. Uh However, in reports, they claim that Vernon Sr. was, quote, light-skinned enough. Not my words. That's what the article said. <laughs> Just Let's, quote. It's a quote. <laughs> it's a quote. Let's not get it twisted here. Uh, but yeah, they said, oh, he was light-skinned enough to pass as a white man, but never necessarily took the privileges of being a white man. So we're starting off that way. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Once again, this is, this is Mississippi in, like, the early... 20th century so it's not she's not a subject she's not great when it comes to uh race let's put her it that tree. way yeah definitely her not just that's just on par with america with the world let's be real <laughs> just, out, yeah, just the world is all just the floating rock and face that we call home <laughs> exactly exactly so vernon from what i gathered was proud and compassionate of his black history which we will get more into that in a little bit vernon would go on to attend bay springs high school where he dropped out at around the 10th grade he was reportedly married three times his first wife was named winnie and they were married for five years before divorcing i'm not sure why but sometimes it just doesn't work out and that's that's fine not I mean, meant to be it's not meant to be then sometime in 1949 he married a woman by the name of aurora lee who unfortunately died after a reported long unnamed illness sometime after the marriage once again not certain of the exact date which is unfortunate uh and then fast forwarding to march of 1952 at the age of 44 he married his third and final wife ellie jewel davis so ellie was reportedly a teacher from rose hill mississippi who had recently moved to the forest county area and the two had bumped into one another at the local school board which is just very cute it's cute but he was a little busy um, oh definitely Definitely. I was just going to say, I just feel like every time I've heard of someone having like multiple wives and then there's always, she died of an unnamed illness. <laughs> Sir. <laughs> what are you putting Murder. in her coffee? Murder. 
I don't think I don't think Vernon Sr. was a murderer. <laughs> that's my hot take, but I see where you're going and I I think that's why we have the show snapped. Let's just put it that yeah. way. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so the two had a mixed family of eight children. Oh my God. Jesus. So there were seven that's boys. That's an army. That's an army. That, that's seven boys. Seven boys and one girl. Can you imagine just being the only girl in a, the family of eight? You will never you date. Have a boyfriend. You will no, never be married. Never. No. <laughs> no. No, you will always. Yeah. You will always have someone waiting for you when you come home with a rifle being like, you're late coming home. <laughs> Threatening any partner you have. Right. So Vernon Sr. had a total of six children by the time he had met and married Ellie from, obviously, his previous marriages. And then the couple went on to have two children themselves. So just a very nice blended family, which we're here for. The family would go on to reside on the Kelly Settlement area uh, nearby Hattiesburg. And as far as my understanding, the Kelly Settlement had been in Vernon Sr.'s family for, like, multiple generations. So it was like a family home. Vernon would work hard to become a well-known business owner in the area, owning several various businesses in total, including a store, a sawmill, a planning mill, a 200-acre farm, and more, making him one of the most successful black farmers in the state, according to the Black Past website article by Daron Arrington. So he was he was doing really well for himself. Yeah, he, he, he was accomplished, yeah. Oh, for sure. Like a thousand percent. Uh, it's also been documented that Vernon hired both black and white people to work for him and was really allowing for more employment opportunities in the area. So he was he was helping the community at large and he was very progressive in the sense of he wasn't just hiring white people and he wasn't just hiring black people. It was very... He he, I don't think he had any judgment against anyone just regarding their race or where they came from. Yeah, no, yeah, he's people that are good time. workers. Exactly, yeah. exactly. You know, seeing them for who they are. Exactly. Vernon was on the outside looking in, very successful, but there was something else Vernon was passionate about that would additionally make his community presence well known. So he was a civil rights activist serving for the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, a.k.a. the NAACP. So quick little tidbit on this organization. The NAACP has been around since approximately 1909, and according to their website, they are one of the largest and most permanent civil rights organizations in the United States. So they're kind of a big deal. Don't know if you heard of them, but they're... Yeah, oh, they're definitely a big deal. <laughs> yeah, top shelf, just... Just a little, just a little. (laughs) Yeah, just a little bit. From their website, and this is their mission statement, is to secure the political, educational, social, and economic equality of rights in order to eliminate race-based discrimination and ensure the health and well-being of all persons, which is something I feel like we could all stand behind and get behind. Definitely. And move up to the front, you know? Uh, And for this episode, I'll add their website link. So if people want to check it out, they can do so. But we're going to go back to Vernon because this is about Vernon. He was reportedly very passionate about people voting in his region back in the early 1960s, especially black or marginalized people having access, having the access to vote. One famous tagline that people reported Vernon had said was, quote, if you don't vote, you don't count, which I think is still pretty accurate today. Exactly. Make a difference. You need to do something about it thousand percent so the 1950s and 1960s were a very pivotal time for black voters and voting in general for example a lot of black voters would be turned away at the polls or they would be provided wrong information regarding when they were supposed to vote black people would be even asked to do literacy tests prior to voting which for some was challenging due to the fact that black people weren't always given the right to education as the three of us know so it just, it was just a really fucked up time. I mean, everything is still pretty messed up, but. Yeah. I was just going to say that, like, they're still having issues with that. And there's still states that, like, within the past six months just passed a bunch of voting laws that are, like, that are rooted in racism. Yeah. And it's just, you hear that, it's like, well, in the 1960s, it almost feels like we're still there. Exactly. <laughs> I've changed. In 2021. Yeah. I love no. that. 
we're slowly changing, but still, we have a long ass way to go. I, I was listening to the Wine and Crime episode, um, Louisiana Crimes, and they made a really good point of saying that a lot there was a lot of voter suppression because of race and you know marginalization and what have you. So I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm not surprised that Mississippi is also the same boat, right? Mm-hmm. It's that's what the South is known for, which is super shitty in this yeah and sad in like this day and age that people are still being attacked for just the color of their skin like what what's the matter with people it really just upsets me (laughs) oh oh we will get to it because it's only (laughs) going to get worse (laughs) yeah so when before we recorded christy's like yeah i'm just getting off nights i'm in a cranky mood and we're I was going to say, I'm just going to piss you off today. <laughs> so sorry. We do some like meditation after. We're like, I need to zen myself out. Exactly. <laughs> this is supposed to be a distraction. Not to piss you off. No. <laughs> I this was a distraction, Alex. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, I'm not sorry. It's fine. Trying to educate the people. Anyways, speaking of the people. All for the people. Speaking of education, so the literacy tests that these, like, that black people were expected to do were just fucking bananas. Like, they were absolutely stupid. So, for example, according to an NY Daily News article back in the 1940s, Vernon Sr. himself was denied registration due to being unable to answer the following question, which was, how many bubbles in a bar of soap? What? Yeah, so essentially, I think that's exactly how the question was asked. Like, how many bubbles in a bar of soap? I don't know if, I don't know if they just forgot R, you know what I mean? Like, how many bubbles are in a bar of soap? Regardless, it, it was, it was bullshit. Dumb. Yeah. Like, that's so, that's like asking someone how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? Like, are exactly. you, are you kidding me? What? It's just, ah, <laughs> uh, it's just, it's bananas. It's absolutely bananas. So, Things would take a constructive turn when President Lyndon B. Johnson, which kind of a big deal, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Just a little bit of a big deal. A little bit of a big deal. (laughs) So Johnson had signed the Voting Rights Act into law on August 6, 1965, which this act would ban any identified black people from having to take the literacy test, as well as provide federal oversight of voter registration where there would be more than 50% of non-whites that had not registered to vote as of yet, and further authorized the U.S. Attorney General to investigate the use of poll taxes in state and local elections, according to a history article. So it was, it was progressive. It was big. Yeah. It was big, especially in that time. I mean, I say that time it. as a, yeah, we are here for it. Yeah. Thank you, Lyndon. I'm sure you were problematic maybe some way, but for this, I can, I can yeah. get behind it. We can get behind him on this. <laughs> so Vernon Sr. would go on to put in a voter registration poll in one of his businesses. I believe it was the Damer Grocery Store, because once again, he he had a lot of businesses. So I think it was the grocery store he ran, which was kind of looked like a little bit of a convenience shop based off pictures, but mm-hmm. it was huge. In that time, like them owning a massive business like that and multiple, that was huge and down south because white people didn't want them to own that many businesses but look who's laughing now exactly exactly so not only did this allow for another place to have the right to vote but it actually created kind of a safe place for black people to vote because based on what i gathered one of the voting registration places was downtown which was predominantly white so if a black person went to let's say a downtown voting registration they kind of risked being tormented and harassed and gawked at by white folks that were kind of running the downtown core whereas when vernon had opened the voting registration at his store it was it was just a safer place because people knew vernon you know they knew that he was accepting despite what you looked like right So it was just huge. And on top of that, it was also known that apparently, um, because I guess there was like a voting tax or like a poll poll tax around the time where people were expected to pay $2 to vote. According to uh, an interview that his son did later on, Dennis Damer, Vernon actually offered to pay the tax for people who couldn't afford 
to pay it. So he was eliminating any kind of barrier for people to vote because of how strongly he felt that, hey, if you don't vote, you won't have a say in what happens. And we need everyone to have a say. Right? Vernon's a man for the people. Maybe Vernon should be president. Right? As as a Canadian for U.S. politics, I'd vote for him. A thousand percent. (laughs) You come to America for like a hot second. You're like, I'm just going to vote really quick and then I'm leaving. <laughs> and drop in, then I'm out. Yeah. yeah. It's like when you show up to a party, but you're only there for the snacks. It's like, well, I'm just going to show up, get, you know, do the good thing, get the good stuff, and then I'm going to leave. That's that's what I would do. Thousand percent. Put my, my address as your address just so you can be like, see, I live here. <laughs> Beautiful. Love it. Thank you so much. <laughs> It didn't take long for Vernon's store to become one of the leading voter registration sites in the area by January 1966. But of course, with all good things, we have to talk about the bad. Introducing the KKK. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. I knew it wasn't going to take long before we encountered these white sheeted shitbags. I couldn't have put it any better myself thank you Alex (laughs) I uh when I stumbled upon this case and I mentioned the KKK I was like fuck I knew this was gonna happen but I just wasn't expecting it so damn soon for those who aren't aware the Ku Klux Klan also known as the KKK were reportedly created sometime in 1865. That's when they, that's what their his, history traces back to, at least. So around this time, the Civil War was coming to an end. Apparently, six Confederate veterans got together in Pulsaki, Tennessee, and created their own group. The purpose behind this report, vigilante, quote-unquote, heavy on the air quotes. Their super purpose, heavy. Super <laughs> heavy. But their purpose was allegedly to mobilize a campaign of violence and terror against the progress of reconstruction, a.k.a. they didn't like the idea that they lost, nor did they like the idea of any form of liberal progression happening in the U.S. They just weren't, they really weren't having it, you know? That's my favorite when, like, old white men are like, you know what? We're going to control this country. It's not that millions of other people live here and they may want something else. It's going to be what we want. Oh, it's okay. selfish. And yeah. shitty. Yeah. Exactly. My blood pressure is already going up. I muted myself for a second. is <laughs> just like, you know what? I'm getting revved right up. It, it only took only took to page three in my notes. It's oh, okay. and we have like Four more pages ago. I'm redlining. (laughs) Essentially, this idea of the KKK meant that they were violent bullies towards anyone, white, black, anyone who really supported the idea of reconstruction of the entire country. The group setup is plain absolutely just bonkers, if you ask me, uh, because, (laughs) of course, they have a weird pyramid scheme kind of... Oh, naturally. Oh, of course. So they apparently call their leaders the Grand Wizards. What is this, Dungeons and Dragons? You'd think. It's very... Let's run the America, because we know what's best. Let's get our wizard king up here, and uh, let's try and run the state. Very odd. Extremely weird. Too fast. He's getting getting very weird. (laughs) Not only that, but they call other members Cyclops, apparently. Uh, in case you also don't know what they look like, and I've obviously already hinted at it before, but they wear hooded costumes, usually white, and partake in what the Southern Poverty Law Center website calls, quote, violent night rides, which is just horrifyingly scary to think about. To me, it sounds like they're just trying to live a fantasy life as if they're like in a book, like a fantasy book, but that's not reality, sir. It's and if almost... you called a cyclops, I can take an eye out for you. Yeah, it kind of gives me. <laughs> I'm already getting red. It kind of reminds me of like Lord of the Rings meets Harry Potter way before that even happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just... Game of Thrones almost. Are the dragons going to come out soon? Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So according, again, to the SLP Center website, although the KKK has been known to primarily target Black people, they've also been known to target Jewish people, immigrants, members of the LGBTQ+, just to name a few. So essentially, unless you are a white heterosexual man, 
heard You're that. kind of a target. Yeah. Good thing I don't check any of those boxes, and neither do probably 85% of the country. Yeah, it's just... They, they just don't hold back, which is scary. There's nothing scarier than a white dude who just won't hold back from violence. No, Let's put it that seriously. way. Seriously. What I love, too, is that that's the only people that they want to succeed without women and other people of color or anything. Where are you going to go? Like, eventually you're just going to die. And Ex- then what's going to be left? Nothing. Exactly. And an even scarier thought. So this group is obviously still functioning today, which... Scary. Uh, scary. However, according to the SLP Center website, there has kind of been a little bit of a downward trajectory due to the good old panorama. So one good thing from COVID is that potentially the KKK numbers are down. Oh, love that. They can't gather. Yeah. Can't gather. Exactly. I I mean, I don't know. Down south, though, they might. They don't think COVID's real. So they might still be like, you know what? Send it. Ugh. In the 1960s, though, it was kind of the third wave of the KKK, so to speak, and they were still on their assholery rampage. I should mention as well that the KKK has different groups spread across the nation. Each group, I think, has its kind of different setup. Um, I think they all call each other Cyclops and Lizards, though, but... Depending on how you get to that position might be different based on which group you're in. I, who knows? I would like to. I would like to know why this, where they came from. Why he was Cyclops and a wizard? Like, what the fuck? Well, I know, and that's that's the thing. It's I who who came up with it and who why made the rules. Who was the yeah. starter? I know it came. I know this came out of like 1865, but for some reason, all I can picture is a white overweight dude in his basement with his friends with Cheeto dust all over the place, just being Absolutely. like, you know. Yeah, you know, it'd be really cool if we'd call each other, like, Grand Wizard and, like, Cyclops. And, like, we had, like, a, like, a, I don't fucking know. <laughs> in that exact tone. <laughs> in that exact tone, yeah. This is my low tone. Yeah. Lives with, like, his mom at, like, 35 years old. And it's like, you know what? I'm just angry at the world, so I'm going to make everyone else miserable. Exactly. But if you call each other wizards. Then that makes it better. That apparently makes it better, which it's not how it works. I don't get how anyone ever took that seriously, though. Like, it was started with six dudes, and that they were saying if someone came up to me, and they were like, you want to join our club? We're called Wizards and Cyclops and the Grand. I'd be like, no, no. No. I've got no. better things to do. <laughs> I have a, no, I have a life. No, thank you. <laughs> I'm not a wizard. <laughs> no, Charles. I don't want to join your wizard group. Your outfits are borderline disturbing. <laughs> yeah. I've got better shit to do. I just have so many questions. How did anyone think that was a good idea? (laughs) You know what? It's you're only going to have more questions. I'm sorry, because now we're going to move on to the crime portion, which something happened to Vernon because I'll scream. I don't like that face you're making. (laughs) (laughs) That face says we're going to get sorry. So some that are some people that are maybe listening may have chimed into where I'm going with this story. Uh, for those who don't know, here comes the absolute devastating part and trigger warning for hate crime involvement. So sometime around 2.30 a.m. on January 10th, 1966, two cars of KKK members from the Jones County group reportedly pulled up onto Vernon's family property. Prior to this incident, I should mention that the family was allegedly receiving threatening phone calls along with random drive-by shootings of the store windows and mailboxes suspected to be by KKK members. So there, the family was already targeted before this. Uh, No one was hurt at this point. It was just, you know, blatant racist scare tactics. Naturally always has to escalate. Because of this, Vernon and Ellie would reportedly sleep in, quote, shifts. So they would kind of take turns sleeping. One would kind of stay on guard and make sure that no one was trying to get on the property. No one was trying to break in. It was... Sad. It was not a safe... It's just not an an ideal situation. Not only that, but it's just fucked up. There's no other word I can... There's no other way I can describe it. For lack of a better term. So it's just fucked up. These people miserable. They're trying yeah i don't even know like how do you sleep i just wouldn't even be able to sleep like knowing someone's coming after me 
that because, intensely. Yeah, because like, of who I am, who I support, like my morals, my beliefs, my background, my family. Right? It's absolutely yeah. disastrous. So Dennis Damer uh, went on to explain that because President Lyndon had signed the new voting bill, the family kind of relaxed a little bit in 1966. They weren't necessarily doing as many shifts reportedly. And overall, they just felt, my assumption is that they probably felt like, okay, we're progressing as a nation. We are moving forward. We are maybe safe, right? And yeah, it should also be mentioned, too, when this bill went in, when it was processed through, the harassment and everything kind of toned down a bit. So they kind of had a false sense of security because of that. So they had like a little bit of a break. They could kind of like, okay, let's try to like live our life again. Exactly, exactly. Little did they know what was going to happen next. So once again, January 10th, 1966, the two cars full of KKK members began to open fire onto the family home while also lighting the home and nearby store on fire. So they started shooting up the property. They lit the store that was, I think, attached to the property or somewhere nearby on fire and the house on fire. Uh, Ellie and three of the kids that were home, uh, Dennis Betty and Harold were able to escape out of the back of the home while Vernon tried to allegedly fire back shots and protect his loved ones. 57-year-old Vernon would later die in hospital after sustaining lung damage from the superheated air while holding off the attackers so that his family could flee the scene to safety. That's so sad. That's terrible. Yeah. I'm going to set them on fire. How do you like that? Turn you into a human barbecue. Just, ab- it was just absolutely tragic. And Vernon was believed to be targeted due to the fact that he was an identified black man, as mentioned earlier. He, his family was black. He supported black people voting. He had the voter registration. He, you know, he was an advocate. And that's what people think, that's the reason why people think he was targeted right off the hop. And because of the act passing in legislation, things just escalated so much faster. I feel like he's just, like, losing everything. Like, he's just trying to he's just trying to do some good deeds, help everyone out, and he's getting shit on for it. Pretty much. Can't get a break. Yeah. No. In a quote from the Hattiesburg American newspaper, Damer was a responsible citizen and a respected businessman. He operated his store, grew cotton, and raised a family. His only offense was that he encouraged black people to register to vote, and he offered his store as a registration place. He paid the supreme price so that others behind him could vote and be treated with dignity. Hattiesburg residents from all walks of life raised money to help Ellie and the family get back to their feet after their property, aka the Kelly Settlement, had been scorched down to simply a chimney so the whole place everything just up in flames so not only did they lose a key person yeah a key person in their life but they also lost their home they lost the the physical home the house and they lost the person that probably made them feel like home which was vernon senior yeah that's so sad thing yeah the least they can do is like buy them a new house and like something oh In trying to rebuild the home they once had without one of its key players, Vernon, the family made a then-bold move in Mississippi, which was seeking justice against the KKK. The FBI launched an investigation into the case called the Dabern case, which I feel like they could have just picked a better fucking name. Like, it's literally D-A-B-U-R-N. Dabern case. What kind of name is that? that? What's the meaning of that? I don't know. I don't know where the the hell the FBI comes up with these fucking case names. That but sounds like a, like a typo. Like right. someone emailed in, they were like, you know what? Let's just roll with it. I, they gave like the rookie the chance to pick the name, and of course they're like, oh, we already told him. <laughs> the secretary, and she's like, I'm just gonna hit save. <laughs> you know what? We already got his hopes up. We'll just we'll just take the name. Keep going. <laughs> According to Vernon Jr. in the Mississippi public broadcasting interview, the FBI had tied the Jones County KKK to the death of his father and to 10 previous murders. So the Jones County KKK was just rampant killing people left, right, and center, it seemed. Freaking serial killers. Little mini group. (laughs) Now, some reports vary in terms of who was 
indicted from the KKK. For example, the Black Pass website claims 14 members were indicted, whereas the NY Daily News article claimed 18. And then the Courier Journal article apparently claimed 17. Dennis Damer in the Mississippi Public Broadcasting interview noted that there were 18 indicted for the murder of his father. So I'm going to go with Dennis's number because it like that's a son. I feel like he would know out of everybody. Right? Like he was like he was there. Exactly. Further Dennis shared that in the in that interview that out of the 18 only 9 of them had gone to trial. How does that work? How, what would they do? Big pick and choose? Like they were like, mm, you're going to go to trial and you are not. You're going to yeah. go to trial and you are not. All of you should go to trial. You all did stuff. Together, right? Just get like yes. one big long table and just sit them there in the court. You know someone didn't do one? It's exactly. like conspiracy after the fact. I'm pretty sure there's laws. I don't know. <laughs> right? We'll, we can find something. We can we just stick anything at this, right? Fuck them all, right? It just make some shit up. Now here's where things are going to get even more bad. Worse. I'm sorry. <laughs> Five of the nine reportedly ended in a hung jury mistrial. Four of them were reportedly convicted, but over half of them, in a quote from Dennis, never saw the inside of a courtroom of justice other than the day that they were indicted. What the shit? How? Yeah. How many, yeah, how many white bad. people were running that court? That's what I want to know. How many white people were running that court? I'm going to say a lot. Buffoonery. Buffoonery (laughs) left, right, and center. There is one asshole among the bunch of assholes associated with the Jones County KKK that I'm going to show a little bit on. Actually, I like that better. Why don't they go by, like, king assholes as as opposed to fucking grand wizards? Wizard king? Grand wizard? (laughs) Are you just calling yourself a king asshole? That's what you are. Exactly. So... Former Jones County KKK King Asshole, a.k.a. Imperial Wizard, Samuel Bowers. So, oh boy, Bowers was born on August 25th, 1924, a.k.a. he's a Virgo. Uh, He was born in New Orleans and reportedly had roots in both Louisiana and Mississippi. Bowers reportedly was part owner of Sambo Amusements which was a vending machine and jukebox business. So I don't know if that's still kicking around, but uh, he was also a Navy vet, which had lots of ventures going on there. He had a lot of things going on. Besides all that, he was reportedly known for his white supremacy views, anti-Supreme Court views, and known to be a gun-loving, explosive nut bar that reportedly liked the swastika symbol so much that at one website, it said he had a swastika fetish. I was going to say he had a swastika tattoo, and I was like, really? Me? No, he just really liked the symbol. I mean, he probably had a tattoo, let's be fucking real here, but he d- he really, 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 really liked the swastika symbol, which... Piece of shit. Just automatically, which automatically just white trash. I'm sorry, that's... If you have a swastika symbol tattoo, I'm here to tell you, you have been indicted... To the PSA. white trash, yeah, you've been white. <laughs> PSA for all those Boswaska symbol tattoos. Well, first of all, there's no, there's no way you're listening to this show because if no, you are, definitely. you're missing the point. You're missing the entire point. Secondly, you're white trash. Bowers, like many KKK members, I'm sure, wasn't super fond of the new wave notions of equality for all human beings, which is how he probably ended up getting the official ranking of quote. Imperial Wizard of the White Knights of the Ku Klux Klan. Some fucking mouthful. According to the Find a Grave website, he was allegedly known to order murders of civil rights workers, such as James Cheney, Mikey Schwerner, and Andrew Goodman back in June of 1964 in Mississippi, which is the case is referred to as the Mississippi burning case. I'm not going to go into it this episode because we might want to cover it in the future, but also very tragic. Well, pull me in for that one. <laughs> Christina's like, I'm ready to ripple. I'm here for it. <laughs> Here, heated. <laughs> yeah, here for the distraction, but also here to get heated about exactly. white assholes. Exactly. Because at least these assholes, I'm going to assume, are gone at this point. Oh, Hopefully. yes. Yes. So, specific ones. <laughs> Bowers reportedly only served 
six years at the McNeil Island Federal Penitentiary in Washington for the Mississippi burning case. Only six what? years. Only six years for the murder of three men. Only. That's ridiculous. Six years. You should be yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. not even life. Just like go to the chair immediately. Just, uh, I just, I, I don't understand. I don't, I, I, I don't. Who made up this rule? Who gave this sentence? Because honestly, you need a new career. Well, they're probably dead by now, but still. Hopefully. <laughs> still, just in case uh, you're listening. Just in case you're listening. If you might have guessed it at this point, the reason why I'm talking about Bowers is because he was connected in the murder of Vernon Sr. as well. Bowers would reportedly be tried four times for the murder of Vernon, in which each time ended in a mistrial. These are four different charges? Because you can only be convicted of one thing one time, can you not? On murder Double cases. jeopardy. Unless, unless the mistrials were happening because of the jury which each time it was. So in a weird twist of fate, literally every single time, the jurors weren't able to come to essentially, a, what's the word I'm trying to think of? They weren't able to agree on one verdict. So they'd have like 11 people saying he was guilty and one person be like, no, he's not. So then... So it's a hung jury every time. Exactly. So that's I think that's how they got away with being able to keep taking him to trial because they had so much evidence and they're like... If the jurors people like, are stupid. Yeah, they're like, jurors, just agree with us once. Just yeah, one for time. once. Yeah. Just imagine that one asshole. It's like, yeah, that one asshole is just sitting there like, I don't know, guys. Maybe it was just a misunderstanding. Oh my god. The fourth time I'm throwing him out a window. Like one of the jurors went missing for some reason. I don't know what happened to him as there's like, a broken window behind me. Yeah. He took a really long lunch break. I think he's having some tummy troubles. <laughs> Just carry on, Judge. It's okay. We'll we'll figure it Fine. out. So Fine. Let's go. Let's get a move on. I have dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I will comment that Bowers did serve his jail sentence for the Mississippi burning case during the attack of Vernon, as far as my understanding of timelines and everything. However, I believe it's been alleged that he may have ordered the death of Vernon to take place, like the murder of Vernon to take place while he was in jail, because... Of course, KKK has connections inside and outside of jail. Let's let's not play stupid. They're naturally. Yeah. Regardless, Bowers did eventually return to court in 1998. 1998. Let's just highlight that old. year. <laughs> You're old. Christy and I were literally four. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? like what? I thought this was in the sixties. <laughs> well. A whole 32 years after the murder of Vernon Damer Sr. So Bowers went to court 32 years, finally, in an actual legal proceeding that actually kept going. And he would be sentenced to life in prison. Oh, good. Finally. For the murder of Vernon. Yeah. Finally. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know why I paused. I was trying to calculate what happened. You know, it's literally right in front of me. Bowers would stay in the Mississippi State Penitentiary until his death on November 5th, 2006, at the age of 82 years old. Fucking sayonara, dude. Yeah, peace the fuck out, wizard. Okay, and I said hi. Yeah, take your broom and fly south. I don't know what else to say at this point. <laughs> So he was in jail for, like, not that long, and they got to spend no. 30 years before he got charged, like, his life free. So he could, just live, yeah. he could live life, basically. Well, and that's the thing. So for those 32 years, the the Damers literally had to fight with the justice system to be like, this is the guy who did it. He potentially hired a hit against Vernon Sr. He was a part of the Jones County KKK. He was their leader. Obviously, it was him, but because of all the fucking shit with the jurors it kept going to mistrial so finally in 1998 they're like okay we need to just lock this down we need to we need to get this shit figured out because we're not waiting another 32 years when you know bowers is obviously going to be dead right we need to yeah. nail this to him and um you see like cases where they're the person's been dead for 15 years but we just convicted them yeah oh, congratulations what'd you do just to say you did it yeah oh pieces of shit 
Aces of shit. So to kind of summarize this case, similar to the Roxbury murders I covered back on episode 56, even though there was some good information out there, I felt like there was a lot missing in terms of like specific details, just this, that, and the other. I don't know if it was because of the time frame of when this was all happening, like documentation, what have you, or if it was because it was a white on black crime. It could have been a million different reasons. It just felt to me as though there wasn't enough detail to really paint a huge picture. Like I got little bits here and there, but it just felt like there was some stuff missing. You got a generalized idea of like what happened, the details, but we we want more. Exactly. I will point out that I did see in one article how the trial of Vernon's death were one of the first trials where the state was prosecuting white on black crime. I could have misread it because I, I saw it and then I think I went to go eat dinner or something and I came back and I, completely forgot that I, it was just it's just a mess so essentially i think that's why it was so it's so important because of that mm-hmm. but even so like there's still mi- information missing do you know what i mean yeah. like what happened to the members of the jones county kkk that were indicted that just for some reason got to walk like was there did they take a plea was there yeah. you know was there go? Yeah, where did they go? And not only that, but was there more to Bauer's plan against Vernon Sr. that we don't know about, right? Because it was kind of, it it took me a really long time to even find Bauer's amidst all of the information I did find. So it's just, it was weird. It was just really weird research, to be honest. Interesting. Hmm. Someone's hiding something. Exactly. Sketchy, sketchy sketch. Yeah. Despite research challenges, I will say One thing that really took me kind of like a back of all this information was how much of an advocate and courageous person Vernon Sr. was, which I feel like we could all kind of agree with. He was definitely he was a gem. He deserves like something after the fact. He was there for the people, as we said. Exactly. He's there for the people. Exactly. So after his death, Hattiesburg dedicated a park after Vernon, where there is a memorial plaque there acknowledging his attack in his famous, if you don't vote, you don't count quote. The Forest County Courthouse also had a bronze statue of Vernon placed on site along with his famous quote. The state capitol also acknowledged Vernon Damer Sr. in his contributions to the civil rights movement and the fight he faced to get black people the right to vote in Mississippi. Bowers, on the other hand, he died alone in prison. Although it doesn't necessarily change the fact that a life was lost, it does bring me some kind of joy knowing that Bowers, this high and mighty KKK member, had to sit in jail for essentially the rest of his life and never got to taste freedom again. It's ironic because Bowers, who didn't want freedom for everybody, like he just wanted, he probably just wanted freedom and rights for white people, let's be real, took Mm -hmm. the life of Vernon, who was advocating for the freedom for all. So it's just, it's just ironic how that kind of worked, right? It's like, dude, your plane backfired so fucking fast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you wanted to live with rights and then you lost yours. Yeah, exactly. How do you feel now? Yeah. We call that karma. Don't know if you've met her. Swift, a swift servant of it, too. Exactly. This is also just another reminder that racism isn't new, that white supremacy isn't new, and hate crimes aren't new. None of this is new, but it needs to still be discussed, as you know, as one RuPaul would say, to educate the children. Because I think the more we talk about racism and crimes of this nature the more educated we can be as people and as, you know, advocates, supporters, as human beings, right? So I truly hope that the Damer family is doing well and that Vernon Sr.'s memory and advocacy can continue to live on. And that is my case. Well, uh, Vernon, we're sorry that people are pieces of fucking garbage and you had to pay the price for it. Right. And just a quick little, if you didn't, pick up on this earlier in the episode fuck the kkk like straight up just dead ass <laughs> white sheeted assholes <laughs> like you said if you didn't pick up on that before let me just say it the shitty king assholes so there exactly so i'm just going to quickly set off my resources before you go off christina yeah so my resources for my case include google maps shout out to google Love maps that. The real MVP here. Uh, Black, <laughs> Black Past website, uh, Vernon Damer 
1908 to 1966 by Duran Arrington on April 21st, 2020. The National Association for the Advancement of Colored People website, which I will post in our show notes. The History.com website article by History.com editors. Voting Rights Act of 1965. The Hattiesburg American article, Maybe Now Damer Can Get Answers. Oh, sorry. Maybe Now the Damers Can Get Answers by Chuck by Chuck by Chuck Abadi on May 29th 1998 that is a badass last name I'm just gonna put that out there the Courier Journal article Mississippi grapples with 1966 clan member by Stephanie Saul on June 21st 1988 the Renegade South article uh, the Family Origins of Vernon Damer, Civil Rights Activist, the NY News article by David J. Rajek on January 16th, 2016, Find Grave website, Famous Trails website by Professor Douglas Olinder, the Supertalk Mississippi media website by J.T. Mitchell, the YouTube video, Vernon and Dennis Damer, uh, which was uploaded by the Mississippi Public Broadcasting on April 21st, 2016. And finally, the book by Martin Gordon, Count Them One by One, Black Mississippians Fighting for the Right to Vote, published by the University Press of Mississippi in 2010. Well, thank you, Alex, because that was, you know, got my, raised my blood pressure for the day. I got my, my <laughs> serving of that. <laughs> We always need some asshole to piss us off. Once exactly. A day. Nothing like a fucking ass racist asshole just to remind us that people are racist assholes. And you come exactly. and you're like, this is a sad story that was sad, but also blood boiling. Oh, yes, exactly. It's not wasn't that just sad. Was I thought I was gonna cry. Now I'm just angry. <laughs> with that anger though, can you hit us up with your spooky tale? Because I am oh, pumped for this. Hell. Oh, hell yes. So, as we all know, there's so many information and history that's happened specifically down south and on, like, oh, yes. the northeast side of the country. But we are going to continue with the Mississippi theme we have for this episode. Due to Mississippi having such a rich racist past, there's a lot of hauntings there. One of them being the Howard Memorial Hospital in Biloxi, Mississippi. It was one of the creepiest. I actually listened to, listened slash watched an episode from Ghost Adventures. Alex, Mark, love them. I love them. <laughs> the smile, the giant smile. She was like, literally just lit up. She was like, hold on a second. <laughs> hold, wait a minute. You're talking about my man, Zach Baggins. Yeah, so I will. The building, it's still standing today. Like you can actually go see it, but it's not a hospital anymore. So we're just going to start at the beginning. So it was first opened in 1963. Had so many patients there from, I think they started with some tuberculosis from what I found. Naturally, haunted hospitals started with tuberculosis. I feel of course. Like. <laughs> of course. Um, Everything started with TB. <laughs> exactly. But... In its, like, crime, two actual little girls made a lasting impression on the staff, and that's because they were spirits. Like, they were actual spirits, yes. So, the female spirits, they were about between five to seven years old and about three feet tall, made their presence known to the staff and patients on countless, countless, countless occasions. The hauntings were so common that they were documented in a 1986 Sun Herald article, which stated, quote, Mention them to anyone who worked for any length of time at Old Biloxi Regional Center on Back Bay, and they immediately know what you're talking about. Shit. So, yeah. So these girls, I read that and I was like, is this The Shining? Like those two old girls in <laughs> yes! the hall? Like, Holding hands. Yeah. yeah. But I wonder, were... like, I always hear, like, sorry, Chrissy, what were you going to say? I was going to say, they are very active, apparently. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. No, seriously. But I will say, I always hear, like, Oh, there was ghosts at my place of work. If I saw two little girl ghosts, I'm out. Like I, I'm putting my my one hour's notice. I'm packing my shit up and I'm leaving. Like, New I'm career. Stay in there. What? I'm all good on that. You can keep that over there. <laughs> I'll find another job. It's you fine. keep it's your fine. ghosty shit in that part of the building. I'll keep yeah. working on this side of the building. Exactly. So like a line of tape and just like, just don't cross here. Okay. 
Okay. Setting a boundary. Uh, yes. Always have to set boundaries with living and dead people. <laughs> so similar to living children, the mischievous girls did things like play with thermostats or elevator buttons. Phantom giggling was also a common occurrence. And seeing the girls was not a good sign because according to folklore in the hospital, anyone who saw them basically died very shortly after that. I knew it. I fucking knew it. Yep. Yep. Um, It was not uncommon for extremely ill patients to ask nurses if something could be done about the ruckus being caused by the girls, but they weren't all trouble. According to some of the nurses there, the girls could be helpful too. There were several, several instances when the elevator doors swung open on their own to allow an infant patient through without anyone like pressing the button or anything. So it was kind of creepy like that. Like they were there for good, but also there for bad. I don't know. It's kind of funny because it's it's like they're picking and choosing. Like, okay, so Dolores down in room 302... (laughs) We're going to show up in her room. She's gone. That's it. Fuck Dolores. She keeps stealing pudding cups from, I don't know, the cafeteria. And then in room 408, we've got Charles, who is a sweetheart. So we'll just let him live. All I can picture is, like, say, we're in the hospital. The doors will open. And it'll just open because it wants this patient to escape. (laughs) Yeah, you come with us now, please. Yeah. (laughs) So the circumstances behind their death still remains a mystery no one has any idea how these two girls died some stories they were former patients of the hospital others they were killed in a nearby playground not i couldn't really find exactly where Mm -hmm. they died and there wasn't any either indication of like what their names were they were just dead spirits they were just two little girls and that like that's how people referred to them like the two girls at Biloxi Hospital. That's it. That's kind of sad because yeah. I don't know. It's always nice when a ghost has a name because it's like you put a name to the face that you keep seeing in the middle of the night, right? Yeah, that's, that's terrifying. <laughs> I mean, it's terrifying, but at least, at least if you, you see know. them, you die. You don't want to see them. No, if but I in see some them, cases they help. In some yes, cases they help. So you know, it's like I want to be able to thank the two girls that helped me. Yeah. To my death. To my, either my death or my figure. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> Let's see. So there are varying accounts also of what the girls were wearing. Um, some people who caught a peek at the girls claimed they were either wearing nightgowns or party dresses. They never really saw them other than that. It was a quick second, you know? So either they were ready for bed or ready to turn up. Basically. <laughs> gotcha. And then, okay. and then they died and now they haunt you. Okay. And then yeah, they fair died. Yes, exactly. So others had a lot more sinister experience within the walls of the hospital. Some witness reports included everything from phantom crying and to in like an overbearing presence. Some people said that they could feel someone choking them. Some people said they could feel someone poking them or scratching them. Oh like. Uh, yeah, no. Once you Imagine like being choked by these little hands. Right? You feel like a little. <laughs> the bruises are like these little tiny hands. Yeah, absolutely like, not. What is this? A, a munchkin? What, what was that? <laughs> put some, put some power behind that. <laughs> right? Use your chest next time, okay? <laughs> um, some people have even claimed to hear someone like talking in their ear. Like whispering and like that just sends shivers down my spine. Imagine like feeling some like breathing on the back of your neck. Ooh, and also, no. I thought they were little girls. So like, if they are like talking in your ear, like if I'm up here and they're three feet tall, how are they? Doesn't I make mean, sense how they're getting up there. None of this is logical because <laughs> no, you're telling me true. that ghosts have outfit choices in the afterlife. <laughs> I mean, I'm here for it. I'm not saying I'm against it. But we can't even nail down their name, what they're wearing, if they're good or bad. It's Mm -hmm. just... But they're going to party in the afterlife. It's fine. I mean, they'll party in the afterlife and they'll kick Dolores to the curb when they need to. So I guess all's well that ends well. They're they're just, yeah, they're just living it up at Biloxi Hospital. Um, And so then other... So those are the little girls. And so then there was one other significant spirit um 
some people refer to him as the man in black. Some people just refer to him as the ghost. Some people even refer to him as a demon. He's the one who brought around the really bad shit. Ooh. Yeah. So he's the one who would push people. Um, some people sometimes had their, like if they were hooked up to a vent, it would be unplugged and no one would know why it was unplugged or like, so they just, they just started assuming it was that guy. Sure. Uh, yeah. So then going back to the girls, some people, like I said, would say that every time you saw them, bad things would happen. But some nurses there felt that it wasn't the girls doing it. It was the guy doing it. Like the old guy, whoever the hell he was. But right. No one, but it was like them warning you that something was going to happen. Does that make uh, sense? You know uh, what I mean? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Okay. So the, the girls were kind of like a, a, a pre, pre-shitty awareness notification, so to speak. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay, fair enough. But then some people are like, no, it's the girl's fault. And this dude's coming over here and he's just unplugging vents and killing people, it seems like he wants exactly. to. Straight up. Exactly. exactly. So then, once again, same case with him. No one knew who he was. No one knew where he came from. No one knew if maybe it was he was already there when the hospital got built or if he died there. There was some talk in the town of maybe Indian burial ground. So that always starts some paranormal shit, naturally. Right, yeah. That's usually... Bad idea. <laughs> Bad idea. Bad idea. And it's like people didn't people didn't acknowledge the land before they just built things. They just built things on top of like really... Bodies. Im- yeah, like really important sites. And then they wonder why their building is friggin' haunted to hell. It's like, well... What did you ex- what did you expect when you built on a literal right? grave site? What did, what did you think was gonna happen? Let me know. Yeah. When when did you uh, think this was gonna be a good idea? <laughs> None. Before the haunting or after? <laughs> yeah, before someone died because of a ghost or at was it after? Really? It took you that long? Okay. Well. So then going off the black sea, everything's connected in this story. So then there was a nurse. Her name was Betty. That's all I saw. Her name was Betty. That was it. Couldn't find a last name. Nothing. That's also, I was like, this is interesting. I kind of want to go there, see some sort more information. Yeah, but fair enough. She was walking down the steps, minding her own business, and someone or something pushed her from behind, and oh, little no. old Betty snapped her neck falling down the <gasps> stairs. Holy shit, that escalated yep. very fast. <laughs> yeah. Poor Betty. Oh my yep. god. Yep. Yep. Oh. So, yeah. People are saying it was the man in black, the demon, the ghost man, whatever you want to call him. But the reason the hospital got shut down was because of patient abuse. So people were saying, and it was convenient that right after that happened, that was when investigations started happening into all of that. Mm-hmm. Because obviously now a nurse has died. Right. You got to look into a little bit more. Right. So there was allegations that the nurse and doctors were abusing the patients and a patient got out and pushed her down the stairs. Oh, shit. So some yep. karma was happening. Some karma was happening. But basically all I found other than that, like you found that it got investigated. Why they started investigating Kind of because this was it was just convenient the timing so we're just assuming at this point but they never came out and they were like no this is why we're investigating you know what I mean right fair enough so, exactly so all you found was investigation started convenient timing two years later shut down that's it Oof. that's it Oof. all of the patients transferred and nothing else came of it no one was brought to jail. Nothing. So then when all this started coming out about the patients possibly being abused, people were wondering, was there a nurse who was like an angel of death? And that's why people's vents were getting unplugged. The demon man as like, oh, it was him. Like, whatever. Like, Mm. now we got a a serial killer nurse on your hands. Maybe. So wait, when did the hospital close? I found, 
so I found conflicting. Some people said oh, okay. 2005. Some people said 1995. Oh. that's It was weird. The information I found was ranging from left to right, basically. That's and so weird. Because a lot of the documents were sealed. Okay. What they're letting out come out, or mm. like what people who work there are like sneaking off and telling people. But as far as legitimate documents from the hospital of why they got shut down, what was going on there, these right. ghost people, you saw nothing. And to this day, nothing has been unsealed. And people have tried to get them unsealed and nothing. That just tells you that bad shit happened there. Bad fucking shit. Thousand percent. So when I was watching the Ghost Adventures show, I will say, good old Zach got a little EVP of some giggling. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So I was like, mm. Mm. and it kind of sounded like a little girl. That's what I think. Interesting. Yeah. But that is the information that I have for the Mississippi Haunted as Fuck Hospital. That's what I'm calling it from now on because that's what. New name. <laughs> That's not, and if all of this bad shit happened, why is the hospital still there? Like, it's it's just an abandoned building at this point. That's interesting. I wonder it's, if someone will buy it and make it, like, a haunted attraction, though. Like, if it's as haunted as people are saying it is. Should we buy it? I mean, it? I mean. I'm trying to buy a house, but we could buy the hospital. <laughs> Christy. We'll live, we'll live in the hospital. Yes. 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 <laughs> Christy and New I residence. <laughs> Christy, I've been talking about moving to the States anyways. This was just, the stars are aligning. This the is just meant to be. The stars are aligning. It has to be. I mean, I'm a dear friend from the States, so we just have to do this together. And then we'll do our own little ghost adventures on YouTube and see what yes. happens. Yes. I you know one of us gets pu- pushed down some fucking stairs. If I die, I will come back and be an attraction to your place some more because yes, I will have the fuck you. out of it. <laughs> Yes, Christy's like, you don't contribute. Like, you're welcome, written in, like, contribution blood or something. <laughs> Christy's like, we are making an income whether we're alive or we're dead. We're not. Yeah. We are um, making it worth it. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, I, that was awesome. That was, like, it was I know awesome. It was, like, a shorter scary. one. Like, I found a longer one, but it didn't have as many, like, twists and turns. And it was, like, very just, like, there was someone who was haunting this person died. They say he's still there. Mm, the end. But there the was end. like more backstory on it. But I was, uh, like, yeah. I was like, I get it short, but I mean, this is juicy. Short, sweet, and juicy. That's how we like them. Like a Mississippi, I don't know. Sweet like tea. A- <laughs> ah, there we go. I was going to say peach. I, from like, I was waiting for you to say peach. <laughs> I was like, that's Georgia. That's that Georgia. is Mississippi. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man. It's okay. But you get a pass because you're not from here. Exactly. If I, I say that, the comments would be flooring. Oh, they would thousand. be like, are you even from the United States? <laughs> Does she even go here? Does she even go here? Now they'll just comment, do these other two Canadian girls know anything about fucking the USA? No. Goodness. Well, thank you so much for A, collabing with us again. I'm glad the three of us were able to do it this time and for your mm-hmm. amazingly spooky story. Do you, other than Ghost Adventures, do you have any other resources you got to shout out? Onlyinyourstate.com. Oh, love that website. Um, yep. And hauntedhappenings.com. It was like a blog. That's where I found my information. But other than that, I couldn't find anything else. Mm. I want to do some more digging in the like nitty gritty, like dark hole of the internet, dark web. Maybe we'll go even that far. <laughs> Part two. <laughs> Part two. And the CMP podcast is now just a haunted hospital podcast on this specific hospital. podcast. That's it. That is that we're just gonna make it like a weekly thing. I'm like, so I found something else. It's one article, but <laughs> and another thing. <laughs> one more thing. <laughs> one more thing. Christina, for our listeners at Weird Distractions Podcast, can you tell them where they can find you and where they can listen to your show? You can find me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Amazon new podcast i don't know are they calling it amazon podcast i believe so i just know i got the notification i got added to it so i was like yes <laughs> we're not there yet christy i don't <laughs> know how to get on there like, just as know. a sidebar <laughs> um youtube basically any streaming service um on social media you can find me on instagram twitter facebook on my instagram account i have a link tree where if you click that it shows every streaming platform i'm a part of so yeah you can find me on there 
Beautiful. And Chrissy, can you tell maybe Christina's listeners or remind our little weird family where they can find us, where they can hit us up, where they can say hi, and where they can, I don't know, do whatever magical things they wish to do with consent? Yes, you guys can find us on various platforms where you listen to most podcasts. Anchor, Spotify, Apple. Feel free to go on and rate both of our podcasts because we're fabulous. Absolutely. Any any other platforms, as I said, you can find us. We'll be there. And you can email, tweet, Insta, pretty much anything. Get some merch. Get on some Patreon. All of our good stuff. Yeah. And if you need a distraction, got you. But also Christine's got you. And the scary twins in Mississippi got you. And, you know, just we all got you. We all got you. Don't forget it. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.